and welcome to episode 25 of the MTG Complex Cast. My name is Steven. I'm joined by my co-hosts, John. Hey. And Chris. Hey. And in today's episode, we'll be talking about modern and <clears throat> including some uh, Grand Prix finishes and uh, some other stuff for you guys. Let's kick things off with our weekly roundup where we talk about what decks we piloted and what decks we played against this past week. Chris, let's start with you. Well, on Friday I played a uh, good old El Jazi Stompy deck. I went one and three. How about you, John? <laughs> <laughs> huh. Well, uh... Oh, yeah, okay. So, last week, uh, as John brought to my attention, I may have cursed myself. Uh, last week I said that I've never really had a bad event playing the deck, and I proceeded to go one and three. Box uh, check. <clears throat> lost to humans. Uh... They went double, fan- like they slow rolled uh, double Phantasmal Image, copying my Reality Smasher, and killed me out of nowhere. That's nice. Then I lost to Eight Rack because I was at three life with two cards in hand, with a Chalice on one, and they of course rip off the top of the library a Wrench Mind. <clears throat> uh, then I play against the Mono Red Present deck, so he goes game one Blood Moon into Engineering Bridge into Chalice or whatever. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah I can't be Engineering Bridge game one next. <clears throat> And um, I was only able to defeat Esper Delver. Ah, oh, yes, a modern modern standby. Uh, because game one, he was stuck on two lands literally forever. And his Delvers never flipped either. So I was incredibly confused because he wasn't drawing spells and he wasn't drawing lands. What was so he I drawing? can only assume he was drawing more Delvers. <laughs> or perhaps Geists or something. I don't, I don't know. They don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was pretty awful. Um, Didn't flip the spells, so they hit the ground running. <laughs> Didn't make sense just attack for in, in my defense. <laughs> in my defense, I feel like I got uh, kind of luck sacked out of the A rack and Mono Red Prison matches. It's supposed to be you that's doing the luck sacking of that deck, right? Right. So, like, he had to hit exactly Wrench Mine, because every day other discard spell in his deck was turned off. Even Liliana the Veil wouldn't have done it, because I had a Sorceress Spyglass naming Liliana the Veil. So it had to be exactly Wrench Mine. He's like, oh, look, a Wrench Mine. I'm like, oh, terrific. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> and then against the Monorail Prison deck, I crushed him game two. He went turn one Blood Moon, and I beat him anyway. And then <clears throat> game three, I see his hand with Spyglass, and he has Inferno Titan... <laughs> but he only has five lands in play. Excellent. I'm like, okay, well, if he doesn't draw a land, I just like get to kill him. He drew the land. <clears throat> and then, if I drew a land, I would be able to Ratchet Bomb away his Blood Moon, play a land, play a Smasher, and then activate Blink Moth to attack for exactly lethal, and then I didn't draw a land and died miserably. Turns out, um, Eternal Scourge is not very good at blocking Inferno Titan. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> and neither is Eldrazi Mimic. Be gone, Block. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what would you play, John? Uh, I uh, ran back uh, the Rug Kiki deck uh, again. This is the third week now, I guess. Just like unheard of for me. Play the same deck. Was it three? I think it's only. Is this two? Two. Right? It's only two. two. Okay. Yeah. It just feels like three. Uh, same deck twice in a row. Uh, <laughs> so so laborious. Um, uh, I went. Uh, Two and two, but in reality, I also went one and three because my round two opponent scooped me when he was 
two and zero because he had a had a good one movie. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we, like, yeah. but we were uh, we were rug brothers, man. So he he scooped he scooped to me out of uh, out of respect. Respect oh. for the wedge. No, I think he was just a nice guy. I don't think that's small. To do with my small dad. anecdote. I'm pretty sure the Iraq guy. He, I think he dropped after our match because his friend <laughs> needed to, to go or something. Wow, bad beats. Like sign the slip, and then it's like, oh, we can just leave. Like, no, eh. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> like what? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but um, so yeah, I got uh, I, I beat uh, Blue Delver um. And uh, then I uh, got crushed by rug value. It's just like just so well positioning into what I was doing. He's like, oh, playing Hunt Master of the Fells, Ancestral Visions, uh, Jason the Mind Sculptor, like just blah, value, 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 value. Um, and I'm just like, you know, over here, like trying to cast Romance and stuff. I just got crushed. Um, and then uh, I lost to Black White Tokens, um, like really, really grindy close games. And uh, after board, he sideboarded in a single Hollowed Fountain. In some number of ancestral visions, um, which felt real hard for me to beat. Okay. Because it was just like I was already like tapped out on resources before he did that. You know, I just barely squeaked out a win. <clears throat> and like, uh, so game two, uh, he goes uh, turn one, marsh flats, fetch for hollowed fountain, pl- and suspend an ancestral visions, and I'm just like, what the. F- what? <laughs> Wait, what? 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 He's like, ha 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 ha! I got you. <laughs> Screw you, Gunner. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I remand it the first time it resolves, and I'm like, yes, excellent. Found my window, and then you know, he like replays it, and the game goes on. Is it like the grindy slugfest it is? And the turn before it's gonna resolve again, I have another remand. I'm like, perfect. You know, this is gonna line up just right, and he like goes to cast a Liliana the Veil, and I was like, uh... I can't beat this Liliana as it sits if it hits the board. I'm just straight up gonna lose to it. I was like, but he's also gonna resolve Ancestral Visions next turn if I counter this. I was like, uh... Guess I remand it and hope that my two draw steps find me another piece of counter magic. They did not. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. Lost that in the next one. Um, and then I lost to uh, Burn in the last round. Uh, I had um, a crucial turn where I uh, managed to like get uh, up to four mana, including double green, taking minimal, kind of minimal damage. But he had an Eidolon in play, and um, if I resolve this obstinate Bayloth in my hand, I probably stabilize. And he had Skullcrack, <laughs> which I couldn't play around because I needed to resolve it that turn. Otherwise, my life would have just been zero. Would have dipped too low. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was fun. <laughs> uh, I feel like very often against Burn, you just have to like jam the thing and hope that they don't have a crack. Yeah, and if they don't, they lose on the spot, and if they do, then you're sad. Probably means they should be playing more of that <clears throat> effect, right? Because they have crack and is it flames of the blood hand? Is this that same thing? Yeah, well, but that's three mana. Yeah. yeah so the other one is uh, Tarka's a Tarka's command. command. Oh, Tarka's. Yeah, they should probably just be playing more Tarka's. Um. Because, like, yeah, a lot of decks just can't beat the... Can't gain life, like... So... And they, like, still get you for damage at the same time. That just seems, like, really good. Obviously, the mana's a little weaker on the red-green version. Um, but, I mean, they're usually playing green anyways, because they want, like, sideboard cards. Um, so, yeah. So, FNW didn't go so hot, but I still really like the deck. I think I'm gonna run it back again this week. Um, I think <laughs> my... Again. Yeah, yet again. Um, 
I was kind of looking at like some old, you know, rug lists, and I was like, you know, like the list I copied off the internet, I, I just don't think it's quite right. Like, so you're playing like these normal hierarchs that you can like try to get, uh, you know, your five mana kiki jiki out as soon as possible. And then you're like playing these lands that can come into play tap sometimes. Like you're playing Botanical Sanctum, and you're playing like Raging Ravine, and um, I think I just want to play like no lands that come into play tapped and just say like, go back to like the old style, uh, like Sulphur Falls and Hinterland Harbor type mana base that just like basically always comes into play untapped. Um, and then maybe play like a search for his Kanta um, as like a utility land. Uh, uh, utility I, would, I would highly recommend keeping the Raging Ravine. It's just a really strong threat. I was playing two. I played two this week. And yeah, it's great. But um, I don't know. It's like, I really like, I'm still conflicted. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I, yeah, it's great. I love Raging Ravine. Um, but I don't know. It's I'm still sussing it out, trying to figure it out. Because, um, like, you're already, like, you know, kind of, like, going in that direction pretty hard, trying to, like, speed up your mana. So playing a tap land is, like, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. I have to, I have to figure it out and do some more reading to it. I think Raging Ravine is worth it, whereas, like, Botanical Sanctum isn't worth it. Yeah. The issue I found was, like, I very frequently was not running out of cards mm-hmm. before I, like, won or lost a game, which means I wasn't in a position to use my mana on Raging Ravine activation. Yeah. Uh, and, like, the really, really grindy games that came up, but... I don't know. It's like, do I want that, you know, that those percentage points in those matchups, or do I want to have better mana in all the other matchups? So I had to kind of figure out how that lies, and I'm not sure yet. Uh, and then I, I've been practicing a bunch of Legacy Grixis Delver for the GP online. Um, kind of fired that up yesterday. I did the first league I've done in a while. Started another league tonight. Going to be grinding those out. Going to try to do a league a day at least. Just try to get those games in and practice, because it's, I think, Two weeks, two and a half weeks till the GP now, so I gotta get my practice in. Speaking of legacy practice, I was playing uh, some elves against Mike on lands, and God, that matchup feels really hard. Oh, for elves? Yeah. Yeah. Lands is good against the creature decks. Tabernacle, Lance, man. Yeah, Lance is just real good against creature decks. I even, like, go off on turn three, whatever, if this hoof, I attack him for seven billion damage, he's like, eh, rotate into a glacial chasm. <laughs> Yeah, it's the gotcha moment right there. Yeah, Lance is just, like, insane against creature decks, so... Uh, it, like, can't beat Storm ever, though, it seems like. So... Uh, what did you play, Steven? Uh, so, speaking of uh, Raging Ravine, I played Jund um, at my local tournament this week. Not Affinity? Not Affinity. Um... Yeah, I don't know. Affinity is is great. I think I could find a list that that could do well. I just didn't want to. I don't know. I'm still unpacking, so all my stuff is still in boxes, and I just really didn't want to deal with like switching out cards and like finding where some of my cards are. So you, you, Mister plays Affinity every week. Didn't have the Affinity stuff laying around handy, but you did have a properly tuned and built jund list at hand. Yeah. What. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? I just love. I I accidentally fell into fell in love with Jund, uh, mostly because I wanted to build it to better understand how the play, how the lines of play work. Because it was honest. It I, I honestly think that it is one one of, if not the top, uh, worst matchups for Affinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I accidentally fell in love with it, and uh, you know, it's one of my favorite decks to, to have laying around, so I can play it, pick it up, and play it. So I will, I will say that uh, as Master Ugwe said, there are no accidents. <laughs> so, so you you 
you built Jun so you would understand it better because of Affinity. Like, Correct. So, you bought into, like, a $2,000 deck because you will love Affinity so much? What? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I, I, you put it that way, yeah, definitely. Uh, oh, so, so is that so, why I, I, I have Blue Moon decks? Because they dunk on Amulet? <laughs> you have two copies of Amulet, Chris. Two copies. <laughs> two copies. <laughs> that still makes me laugh every time. Like, I've never heard of someone having two copies of the same fucking deck. <laughs> like, I've never heard of it. Uh, Literally never. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> I didn't buy it all at once. It took me. It took me about like a year, year and a half, uh, close to two years, to put all of the pieces together. And I had a lot of, a lot of, lot of help from uh, Zach Smith, our uh, fellow MTG Complex caster. Um, he helped me out a lot putting the deck together and kind of like <laughs> basically putting some cards on layaway. Like my most of my Tarmogoyfs came from him. Uh, anyways. Uh, long story short, I played uh, played this 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 Jun deck that everybody keeps talking about. Uh, I really, 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 really enjoy uh, playing Jund right now. Um, uh, the t- the two games that I lost, uh, or the two matches that I lost, just kind of straight to variants. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, there's a boggles uh there was like a homebrew boggles deck that i played against that was just like pure variance and i'll, I'll t- talk about that in a second but uh the the other deck i've been playing online is amulet uh because oh <laughs> <laughs> we're all amulet now uh, well it was the mtg it, amulet cast it mostly started through so like i've always had like an interest in the deck i like had it built back in the day before I moved out to the East Coast, and then I sold it all for uh, con- consolidation purposes. Well, you owned this deck previously? Yeah. You have no excuse for the heinous gameplay then. <laughs> I don't I don't misplay that bad. I didn't say I was good with it. I was still learning. Mm. Uh, I'm fine. Everyone's I'm still learning. Everybody's okay. learning. <laughs> there is, there's That's such the a big curve on this deck. <laughs> Uh, and so, so yeah, I played I played some Amulet games online. Uh, we, John and I, played some Amulet games online. Chris played uh, a one with me, and uh, he wanted to cry the whole time. <clears throat> I love watching a good train wreck. It was easy to rope me in on this one. <laughs> God, I have to say that your just your list, yeah, causes me list. physical pain. So you, so, this is the so, deck list after I like came in and was like no no steven don't do that so Play this um, not that so essentially there's some cards that they're just like a little too expensive for me to want to buy at the moment like most of the I, I was able to like trade out of one deck into this deck um fairly easily so there was like i wanted to not spend enough like money on most of these cards uh and so i didn't buy the gemstone mines which are important they're important, but like I've been doing just fine without them. Yeah, you just play. You just I guess play a rainbow color. You just play a rainbow color land. Yeah, it deals damage to you, but it's like that damage is like insignificant in the long scheme of things. I guess except, they're replaceable, unlike other certain cards. Except you like not you have. weren't even playing like you didn't even swap like four gemstones for like four city of brass or something. There was like an exotic orchard. <laughs> <laughs> One you plays with the Yabi Maya Coast. <laughs> 
God, so, what else was there? Like, oh, there's some. Bad oh, an Aether Hub. Oh yeah, Aether, Aether Hub. Hub. Yeah. Was not a fan of the Aether Hub. Uh, so, anyways, uh, aside from my atrocious uh, land choices, I also didn't really feel like buying EEs, which cost like forty dollars on. Not even one. Not a one. Not even. Not even one. Uh, so I played without that, and that definitely lost me some games. So all the games. The, the one night that I was watching you guys play, every single game we lost, we would have won if we had an EE in our deck. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> so you can just chop chuck them all up as wins, right? Like we yeah. won all those yeah, games. Exactly. Yeah. We had uh, an undefeated record <laughs> in moral superior moral superiority bill. And then we probably wouldn't have lost that match to time because we would have won the game because we would have had it if we had an oh EE in our deck. God. Yep. That yep. match that we lost at time was so painful. Yeah, it was. We were close, though. We were so close. Literally Anyways. zero win cons <laughs> left in the deck. Just Anyways. can't beat this Lantern deck. So that was a, that's what I've been doing uh, on my free time when I get a chance. Uh, but the cool deck that I saw uh, was this uh, homebrew Boggles deck that I saw at my local tournament. Uh, it was running... So it had Slippery Boggles. It had uh, the Glade... Clover Scout. Glade Cover Scout. Glade Cover Scout. Um, but it also just ran some weird... Invisible Stalker? No, it, it just ran some, some weird enchantments, like... Oh, oh, did it play Slitherplate? Ah! No, it didn't play Slitherplate. <laughs> no Slitherplates? Man, this deck sounds like trash. Uh, he played what, some like blue Unflinching Courage? <laughs> yeah, he played an Unflinching Courage. He, uh, he also just played, like, an Anthem effect. He had oh. lane lines in the main board. Did he play, uh, what's the mutation card, uh, for a single blue? Uh, it's like it gets plus one, minus one each turn? I don't know. I don't it's think like so. It's like a plus one, minus one counter each turn, so it just grows until it kills itself? No, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think you play that. <clears> that <throat> card's great in Boggles. Anyway, it was, uh, I lost a variance for the most part. I had, like, two... Bloodbraid Elves on the battlefield, and I attacked with both because it was a two-turn clock. And I was like, "All right, all I like, he's Hellbent. Uh, the only thing I really lose to is Daybreak Coronet, and he like top deck Daybreak Coronet. That's not bad colored at all. Um, and uh, <laughs> wait, what did did you say it was a it was a it was a brew? It was a brew. Oh, I've misread. Chris said bug stuff. <laughs> I wait this whole time. I thought you were playing a a bug boggles deck and i was just like it did ra racking my brain that's why i was throwing out all these awful oh, cards oh, glistening oil <laughs> did he give this guy infect uh i did play blue though so you were you were you were naming blue card it was fine i gotcha so it was oh, like a steal a of the god boggles. hand yeah it was like a bam boggles and then bam boggled he got bam boggled real hard bam boggled really hard <laughs> Uh, and so yeah, I lost that game. And then it came down to like one one beefy, uh, lifelinky, lifelinky first strikey, uh, hexproofy uh, defender e boy. Defender. That doesn't sound helpful for him. Yeah, he, you. Sylvan Caryatid. He played Sylvan Caryatid. Um, oh boy. And and he just like put a bunch of enchantments on it, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm not attacking. What the fuck? <laughs> I couldn't get rid of it. I couldn't find a lily off my deck. And so he just, he ended up resolving a slippery boggle and daybreak coordinating that with a bunch of other stuff and took over the game. I like my only out was like damnation and came down to turn four uh, at the end of the match. And yeah, it was just, it was an interesting game. It sounds like it suited up Sylvan Carry added. But you okay. know what? That's like, 
I, I also want to give a little bit a quick, of offense defense. I want to yes. give a, a, a quick shout out. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm like going over my own limit here, like, uh, but there was a another enchantment deck there. My, it was my game game one. It was black white curses, where like, yeah, you play this creature that says when it dies. You uh you get to put a creature from the graveyard or no when it enters the battlefield put a creature from the graveyard on the battlefield and then sacrifice it at the end of your turn. So then you go and get this uh, creature that says when it dies go get a curse and attach it onto a player. <clears throat> so you go and get a curse that says at the beginning of your upkeep you get to I uh, look for look through your deck get a curse and attach it to this player. To, to the player who has this oh, curse. Oh, Curse of Misfortunes, I believe. That you know, one. This deck sounds really weak to the card Curse Catcher. And so, Actually, it doesn't. <laughs> no, not <at> <laughs> <laughs> and so And so you can do that. I, like, he goes and gets uh, the curse from, or the enchantment from... Uh, uh, Hour of Devastation that oh, turns all your one, what, all your creatures into one one. Like, behold my splendor or something oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Overwhelming, overwhelming splendor. Overwhelming splendor, yeah. And it, it turns all your creatures into one ones and then makes it so you can't activate any abilities that aren't mana super, abilities. Super humility. And then after that turn you go and get the the curse that gives all your creatures minus one, minus one. Oh. Curse of Death's Hold. Yeah. So you they got that little lot going on. Um so that was interesting, but I was able to find uh, Maelstrom Pulse both times, so that was... Yeah. Wow. It sounds like the <laughs> legacy Nick Fick deck that's playing yeah, uh, basically. Uh, Academy Rector to go wreck ya. <laughs> to go and get him. Uh, uh, but yeah, do you guys see any other cool decks? Uh, so, I think on you know, on our chat, um, Zach was saying, like, why, why is anyone playing Dark Confidant and Jason, the same deck. You set up your bob and just straight value, old gas, gas, gas. Well, on Friday, I saw someone doing exactly that. Uh, that should have been me. I have no idea if he was doing well or not. But um, he was sitting next to me in the O one one table, so perhaps not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> if I had to guess. But yeah, I didn't really get to see too much of his gameplay, but I did look over at his hand. He, there was, where he's sideboarding or something and filtering through his deck, there was... Uh, some Jaces and some Bobby Boys, so... Mm, tasty. Some Grim Flayers, maybe? What about you, John? Uh, so, my deck of the week that I saw that was uh, cool is um, actually a little, little bit older. It's, um... Uh, Guillaume uh, Matignon's... Uh, Guillaume Matignon? Yeah, from, from the... Um, I really call that the Players' Cup or whatever that they do every year up in uh, Watsi headquarters. Mm-hmm. And, um... I thought it was a really interesting take on a modern control deck. Um, it's playing some really weird stuff. Uh, it's playing four Sakura Tri-Builders, for example. Um, and it's playing three Time Warps. And its finisher of choice is Immercool the Promise End, which is a card I've actually already tried out in, uh, as a finisher in control and uh, really liked. It comes down, you know, turn six, turn seven, pretty reliably, um, and uh, it just kills people. Uh, the mind slaver effect is really strong. The body is really hard to deal with, um, and it flies. Um, and so, it's interesting because I was having um, thoughts recently about how you know my 
Rug Deck is playing these Noble Hierarchs, and I really want to play something like Anger of the Gods, but you can't really do that because, you know, you sweep, sweep your Mana Dorks away, and um, playing Mana Dorks in a control deck is very appealing, um, except you often want to run Sweepers in your control deck, and so uh, Gimme got around this by playing Scourge Builder. Um, it comes down on turn two, it blocks, and um, you can sack it away uh, before a Sweeper and still get value off of it. And uh, Chris mentioned that, you know, this is probably in like the Spreading Seas slot, and I was thinking that, you know, Spreading Seas is you're trying to, you know, disrupt your opponent's mana, but there's no guarantee it's going to do that. Why not just guarantee in your control deck that you're going to hit your land drops instead, which is often a sticking point for a control deck because they, you know, can fail to hit their land drops and lose that way. Sakura Tribuilder draws you a land and puts it into play. It's guaranteed you can't miss. Whereas, you know, you're drawing a card off of Spreading Seas. If all you ever wanted was a land in the first place and you don't draw a land, then you've missed with your Spreading Seas. But Sakura Tribuilder doesn't have that failure state. It always gets the land. Um, so that seemed really strong to me. Um, with it obviously being weaker late in the game when you wanted to draw not a land. land and... Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but just as far as early game setup goes, this deck looks super consistent at hitting its land drops. Just like, it's going to find lands, it's going to play them. And um, it's also playing two Nissa Vastwood Seers and two Corsair of Crufix and two Explorers. I think the Explorers are just Sakura Tribe Elder 5 through 6. Um, and they have that, that failure state, right, where you know you probably just want to draw a land off of it, but sometimes you don't draw a land. But on the plus side, it still puts a land into play like Sakura Tribe Elder does. Um, and so he just ramps up, and he plays like a control deck. He's got three Jace the Mind Sculptor, he's got removal, he's got a Sphinx's Revelation, three Cryptic Commands, uh, and two main deck uh, board wipes, and then he's got these these Time Warps. And um, Time Warps seems really strange, but once you have a Jace or an Emrakul in play, uh, Time Warp's insane, right? Like, um, you're just, like, you're just setting up to into, like, basically, an, uh, you know, a unassailable board position at that point like you're either just killing them with the emerald or your jace is either giving you the perfect hand or plussing you know um so i said the deck was like super interesting uh you know kind of a fresh new take on control and modern and um i'm pretty intrigued by kind of what i've unpacked from this and want to kind of apply it to some similar decks so that was my cool deck of the week I'd be I'd be interested to see what the what the rug version of that deck looks like. Yeah, I don't know if you really want to be on rug, just because I think when when once you're getting into like a blue green control deck, you really need to deal with threats. Like he only has four path exiles up and, and a bant charm and his two board wipes main deck to deal with creatures. Mm. Um, in red though, like you don't really have that, you know that. A hard removal that white yeah. does so i think you really need to be in white for that also your wipes like you don't get wipes really in red you get like anger of the gods and hour of devastation hour of devastation is bad because you're playing jace yeah <laughs> kills your own jace yeah it just feels bad, bad. Hmm. so interesting um i think white is the correct third color um maybe maybe you could play black but i think that takes you down different roads yeah all right, well, uh, let's move into our topics for the week. Uh, our first topic being GP Phoenix um, and its finishers. Uh, I think that this top eight is, again, just another 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 list of cards that are 
that just prove that modern's in a great spot, which is probably why the reason we, we keep talking about modern. Um, modern is sweet. Yeah, so uh, in first place, in order, we have uh, Humans, Jund, Ironworks Combo, Nightfall, uh, Bring to Light, Scape Shift, Green White, Hate Bears, Green Black, Tron, Red Green, Eldrazi. Green um, White, Hate Bears is a blast from the past. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, a, that's an Wesco, oldie. Is that you? <laughs> Craig Wesco? Buddy? It's not. AKA Tate Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> this is alias. Uh, yeah, this this list is this these all these decks are awesome. I, I I think it's awesome to see Ironworks Ironworks combo and bring to light scape shift in the same top eight, and then like I don't know. Yeah, obviously we have humans still still kind of dominating here though. Uh, I don't think there's been a list uh, a list of of top eights that we've seen that hasn't had humans in the top eight somewhere. Um, so I guess that deck is still doing very well for itself, even after Jason, Bloodbraid Elf. Kind of interesting is how the human decks has been changing. Uh, a lot of them are going a little bit bigger, instead of as low to the ground. Um, some uh, lists picking up copies of P and Q and LR, putting in their, their main deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, also a little bit more uh, influx of hostage takers in the sideboards. Yeah, Hostage takers, sweet. Yeah, so we're kind of going up on uh, overall converted mana cost a little bit, probably because of the influx of, like, say, uh, Jason Bloodbraid decks that kind of slow down the game a little bit. Yeah. It's a little hard to get underneath those interactive decks. I think it's really interesting that not only is there eight different decks in this top eight, um, there's a wide variety of archetypes too, right? Like, you've got a couple fish decks, um, some land-based combo decks, big mana little bit of mid-range um i guess the only thing we're really missing here is like spell-based combo mm-hmm. um i don't know if you'd really consider but i guess like scape shift, shift i guess I, I think you'd consider scape shift yeah because it's it's, yeah, like it's, a, it's like a control uh combo control deck yeah that uses lands it's like kind of big mana it kind of it kind of like straddles a, for like a variety of different roles right depending yeah. on the matchup which i guess is kind of cool it makes it very flexible doesn't do aggro that's like the one thing it doesn't do very well at all <laughs> i mean listen secure tribe secure tribe elder turns one through four is gonna be gas gas gas, gas. i mean some of us know something about taking damage from secure tribe elder right oh oh is that quarterfinals of a tournament i lost to that right because i took a errant damage off of sakura tribe elder yeah, and got randomly helixed out of a game. Yeah, I felt bad. Ouch. I had that game locked up. I was playing Esper Shadow. Oh man! Always gotta play something different. Uh, what I li- what I see interesting about this, uh, also about this top cards on MTG Goldfish, um, is that the top card is Lightning Bolt. Firmly in control of the metagame like- again. 50 copies and the next card down is noble hierarch with 31 copies um that's cool i mean, that's that's just sweet lightning bolt coming back with uh with fury or a lot of blood you, you know what i don't like all these blood moons yeah this uh 23 copies of blood moon <laughs> this is in the top 32 i think right that it's pulling from here yes i believe so yeah 
So right. out of the top 32, 28% of decks playing Blood Moon. Yeah, Seems man. good. It's Seems playing great. Russian Roulette with a really small revolver. <laughs> um... Yeah, and then if you if you just take a look look through this list, there's there's a handful of decks that repeat themselves, like humans, uh, Hollow One, uh, Tron, oh, man, and humans. More than one copy of Affinity in the top thirty two. The and and Affinity, I was I wasn't gonna say it, but since you brought Affi- one, since you brought it two, up, three whole copies. Wow. And one one dredgy boy. Zach Elsick. Yeah, he, he put down his um like bug colored pile from the previous tournament. And played Dredge, which is interesting. The one main deck copy of Lightning Axe. I wonder if he just went through that that was that SCG event last uh, weekend before last and just was like no one's playing Grave Hate. Like nobody. Dredge's not, time has come. Not one person. I mean twentieth. I, I got like I don't know like where the defining line is, but like top sixteen, you know ninth through sixteenth might as well be top eight, right? And then down from there, like even to thirty second, I don't know like what the points breakdown was, but the difference between top eight and not top eight is like a knife's edge, right? So looking at all these decks, these decks all did really well. Like all these people had really good tournaments. Like mm-hmm. just because they didn't make top eight doesn't mean they didn't do really well. It just means they Correct. did slightly, ever so slightly worse than these other decks. And I mean like yeah. how, uh, how many people are the GP, right? Like thousands. Yeah, yeah. Thousands and thousands. Last year in Vegas there were like over 3,000 people for modern. So it's like you're in the top such a small percentile of players. Yeah, so I think looking at the top 32 holistically is definitely not a bad place to be. Yeah. Um, top 8 gets all the glory, but I think you get a better picture from looking at this top 32. And it's really interesting is that, Stephen, you mentioned this, and you can elaborate on it, I guess, but uh, we're not seeing as much Jace and Bloodbraid as you would expect. Yeah, I mean... What I think is kind of funny is that um, there are exactly, in the top 32, there's exactly 20 copies of Bloodbraid Elf, and twenty copies of Jason Mind Sculptor. Oh, exactly. Really? Wow. Yes. What is that's interesting. Is how in in the top thirty two you said? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I just feel like I don't know. I you said twenty like, and twenty exactly. Yeah. I mean, Blood Moon has more copies. It's got twenty twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. Blood Moon more popular than Jace and Bloodbraid, which is really interesting to me because Bloodbraid's like usually a four of, and Jace is like two or three of probably. Blood Moon's what a two or three of as well, but pulling bigger numbers—that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like I—I I don't know. I—I I don't, I don't think Bloodbraid Elf has really found its footing as to what. I mean, it's obviously great in Jund, right? We, we everybody knows that it's great in Jund. Um, I can't tell you how great it is to play a 3-2 and then like cascade into a lightning bolt killing something on the board like hitting opponent's face and you know attacking for three it's just it's really great but i think i don't think it's found its footing in any kind of any other deck just yet i think oh, it seems pretty all right like in the uh, like red green Eldrazi deck right yeah like I, there are people playing around like where can we put blood raid in where you know traditionally there probably shouldn't be uh, a, a creature that doesn't fall into this guy. like exactly like uh like the the red green 
Eldrazi list. Like, you know, traditionally you wouldn't put anything other than an Eldrazi creature into the deck. But Bloodbraid just fits so well with, you know, uh, the, the, the Eldrazi that takes control of another creature or um, Mattery Shaper. Oh, one thing that's sweet is that if you have enough mana, if you cascade into your Obligator, you can still steal their guy because you're casting it. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Steal Your Guy. Uh, and, and, I don't know, I think I've said this before, but Jace just isn't... The power level of this format is so high where that Jace is just a win more card. It's not necessarily a card that's like... If you resolve it unturned for, you're not going to be instantly winning. Yeah, you're going to be ahead on resources, but that doesn't equate really to winning because if you brainstorm, then you're letting your opponent attack into or like have an opportunity to kill your Jace. If you don't brainstorm, well, then you're just putting a creature back into their hand, and I'm guessing if you're doing that, they probably have other creatures or man lands. There's just so much going on in modern that I just feel like Jace is just one of those cards where okay I'm ahead of, I'm ahead I have eight mana I'm gonna play this Jace hold four for cryptic command or two commands or two or a two uh, two man spells and see where see where it gets me and see what what I can do with it um, whereas like Bloodbraid Elf is kind of like a turn four I'm gonna play two things and really get ahead on on card advantage. Um, on the board, not just in my hand. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess. I guess my my two cents is that is that Jace just isn't doing enough. Something that's actually really stand out to me is um, if you think about modern before the unbannings, there was like one card I think that really defined the format, and it was like I think it really like shaped what people were doing and playing. Like it's Thoughtseize, right? Like wasn't this just like a Thoughtseize format before the Unbannings? Well, it felt kind of like a Shadow format, and all the Shadow decks were playing Thoughtseizes, so... Yeah, mm. like, Thoughtseize was, like, so, everywhere, so yeah. though, right? Yeah, like, yeah, so, so yeah, if you break it down to, like, to, like, what the turn one is, then, yeah, it's Thoughtseize. But, like, look look at this top 32, and how many of these decks do you think are playing Thoughtseize? Like, like none. Jund? Like, none of it. them. Like, Jund, that's it, right? And then, yeah. maybe Hollow One? Yeah. <laughs> from the board that's yeah, it out of the board <laughs> like that's it like there was Pyromancer I guess Thoughtseize was consistently at like the top top cards list like in the top like four for mm -hmm. months like you look in the event Thoughtseize like very high up if not the highest on yeah. the most played cards and Fatal Push kind of gave it a run for its money for a while but like everyone was playing Thoughtseize like there's tons and tons and tons of Thoughtseizes and now like no Thoughtseize which is actually really surprising to me right because like the format's slowing down like that seems to be like what this what this looks like right like people are playing like four ironwork yeah ironworks combo and uh scape shift with both both of their win conditions are four drops but see isn't thoughts he's not that good in the slow grindy games it isn't i guess but it does get the four drops right i guess there's no inquisitions either i guess it would be extra weird if you were seeing inquisitions and not thoughts but you're not seeing either so yeah, yeah i mean I, like if the format's just slowing down the discard spells just aren't that good right yeah, I guess that's fair because you're like you're interacting with them not preemptively anymore, but like actually like on the board. And I thought that was really interesting because like it was everywhere and now it's nowhere. <laughs> um, like you know, you see like um, Lantern was playing it, the um, the Shadow decks were playing it. Um, 
what else was playing Thoughtseize? I don't know, this is a, just a very, very common card that's not really seeing much play now, which I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at this list, and we've got, you know, a Jund. Do we got, what, two Jund in the top 32? I think there's a little more than that, right? No, no. just the two. Just, just two? Just two. I think one Mardu Pyromancer deck? Yeah, that's... I think that's it. Oh, Mardu Pyromancer was another Thoughtseize deck. Yeah, I'm like, that's I mean, it. like, the Hollow you... One deck's not really a mid-range deck. Not at all. Ponza, I don't think, really qualifies as mid-range either. I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think it's more of a like a prism deck. But yeah, there's like just no one's playing, no one's playing traditional mid-range, which is crazy, because I know a lot of people are playing mid-range. They're just not making it into this top thirty-two. They're you know somewhere lower in the standings. Yeah. And, you know, t together with a low amount of, of mid-range, there's not a lot of um, not a lot of like control either. There's um, some blue-white control decks, which seem to kind of be the uh, the standout uh, successful control archetype. Um, we've got a couple of, like blue-moon decks and some blue-white control decks, which are really uh, hating on people's mana, right? Um, trying to trying to leverage the uh, the new Field of Ruin uh, option that we have, together with just good old Blood Moon to take advantage of people's mana bases. But um, really interesting deck um that i was kind of following over the course of the weekend is this uh bring the light scapeshift deck that got fifth pouted by uh sun Junon. he's actually in a facebook group i'm in and he uh was posting his list as he was working on it leading up to the event and like his list early on was insane like i showed i think i should chris i don't know if i should use steven but it had like um glittering glittering wish in it and it was like this the most massive greed pile i've ever seen like this deck was just batshit insane um it was just playing all these multicolored crazy bullets in the sideboard and was playing glittering wish and it was just such a massive greed pile and then like the week before the event he posted again and it looked really similar to now and it's just like where did all this greed go like he just like slimmed down um into, like someone someone like slapped him in the face was like no stop well, it. he was grinding on moto <laughs> a ton and so um I think he was like realizing he needed to change different things, and so uh, he was doing really well. He was like, "I'm gonna take this deck." Like he went from he went from I think I'm gonna take this deck to I'm gonna take this deck, and everyone was like, kind of like, "Oh yeah, yeah, whatever." Like you know, your silly little scapeshift deck like looks sweet, but good luck, you know. Um, and then like over the course of the weekend, him and there was another guy in the chat were both doing really well. They both made day two with like really solid records, and then he was just like, "I won, I won again, I'm still winning." Then he's like, I lost a match because I'm dumb. He cited in, uh, <laughs> that was so guided. He cited in the Madcap combo and an engineered explosives, and his Whoops. opponent was stone cold dead to Imperion. He had zero answers in his deck, and he it's like a 50-50 chance at that point, right? Like which one's higher in the deck? And he mm -hmm. just he just forgot, and he like fired it off and just like hits this E, and he's like, oh. Oh, I guess I lose and like lost the match <laughs> and he would have just won like coin flip or if he just not forgotten and not put the EE in uh, so he lost a match to that like crazy and then just like won 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 just like kept winning uh, and then he made top 8 and it was like it's crazy yeah, so I, like, he made top 8 throwing away a match yeah his, his <laughs> record was insane um, he was just like, crushing it and um, he's on coverage um, I think for just I think it was only one round I watched a lot of day two. I didn't know. I don't know if he ended up on coverage before that, but I think he just ended up in coverage as like a time shifted match, like um, right at the end of the day, uh, to day two before the the top eight. But um, <clears throat> I really like his list, um, and I think it's doing things that are really powerful and modern right now. 
um, he's playing a lot of basics, which is really good when people are playing crap like Field of Ruin. Um, he is playing solid control cards. He's playing Remand. He's playing Cryptic Command. He's ramping, like we were talking about earlier. Sakura Tribe Elder and a control deck. This is it, right? Um, it's just like we were talking about. And I didn't even really think about it. I didn't make this connection, but people have been doing this for a long time. People used to play Rug Scapeshift, and they played Sakura Tribe Elder in that deck. It's a control deck that ramps. It makes perfect sense. Um, I think back then they were playing Anger of the Gods, I think sometimes even main deck. Mm-hmm. And yeah. This it gets out of the way of, of the wrath. Like these these are things that people already have thought about. It's funny, like magic's kind of cyclical in a way. Um but um I just think it's like doing really powerful things and he has a lot of good synergies. And by praying playing Bring to Light, you get to increase the number of scape shifts that you theoretically play in your deck while cutting down on the number that you actually draw. Um and it lets you play really powerful silver bullets on the sideboard. Um, he has this, you know, madcap experiment. He's got one madcap, one Imperion. He's got the one engineering explosives. <laughs> um, I don't know if that one's really where you want to be with Bring the Light, but um, uh, yeah, he's just got all these powerful. Like uh, he's got like, one Chronicle Dust, one Glenelandra Archmage, um, one Shatterstorm. He said Shatterstorm won him three matches over the course of the tournament. Just like straight up just like won the match when he cast the Shutterstorm. Um and Bring to Light lets you find those. Um and so the you know the mana base looks really heinous and greedy, but if you watch his um his match that he played, um he had I he had like a ton of basics. He had like um Forest Forest Island Island Plains or something like that. And he was Blood Mooned. And like he just Unaffected. Unaffected. <laughs> like, deals with the Blood Moon on their instep, untaps, bring the lights, and just, like, kills them. Like, what do you got? Um, so I thought this was a super cool deck. I think he totally hit the um, the meta on the head as far as, like, the type of things people are doing. Um, he just kind of, like, meshed a lot of things I think that are good to be doing right now. Um, obviously, playing Jace the Mind Sculptor, if you can support it, this is great. This deck does it really well. It ramps into it, right? It gets it out early. Um, it protects it fairly well. It's got, you know, some blockers. It's got um, a little bit of removal. And it's doing the same thing that, um, you know, I've heard other pro players talking about, is you don't want to just be doing Jace. You want to be doing, doing something else independently really powerful, and you want to be doing Jace. So that way, if they try to deal with the Jace, they lose to the other thing. Or if they try to deal with the other thing, they lose to the Jace. Um, well, you know, call me, call me. And then bring to, like, finds Jace, too. I just think this deck has a lot of really cool, really powerful things going on. So I was, uh, I was really excited to see him do well. And Does I think it? Can you bring to life for a planeswalk? You can, can't you? I'm like pretty sure. Search your library for a creature. Oh, it doesn't. Ah, uh, it doesn't do planeswalkers. Okay, so I was wrong. I have too good, too good on that one. Uh, but my point stands. It gets basically everything else he has going on. We can't get search for his Kanta, I guess. But I don't think he's too excited to, to search for that one. Yeah, five mana search for scanned seems not as as great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you can immediately flip it, it's not the worst. But yeah, you know, I I, I joked earlier that it seems like that's the only thing we're we're talking about, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence. Um, I think that modern right now is just at a really, it, it maybe not an all time high, but it's definitely on everyone's mind everybody wants to play it and i think the prices for the cards really really reflect that especially um for the the top weekly winners that M- that mtg goldfish does they're they're I, I think everyone doesn't want to play modern steven 
these numbers clearly show that everyone wants to play Jund. Oh yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just it's insane, right? So like, Cavern of Souls gets uh, goes up ten dollars in a week, like eighty six dollars now. Like it just is, it just got reprinted. It, it just got reprinted. Ulamog is getting is getting a ten dollar bump. And going and, up and, to twenty four dollars. Other like, thing is like it's not just the the how much it's, go, it's like the percentages, right? Yeah, like having went up thirteen percent, we was more sixty one percent. Yeah, like, moving moving down to like uh, even even people speculating into the format. Uh, Isamaru is up one hundred thirty eight percent. You know, it's it's a nine dollar fifty cent card, but. You should got, clarify for our listeners why yeah, yeah. that card went up. <laughs> it, it went it went to five dollars out of speculation for the for the mocks that's going to be printed in in Dominaria. Oh, the, well, I'm, the, I'm assuming that's the why. legends matter mocks. Yeah, yeah. Double basically doubled in price, more than doubled in price to like nine dollars and fifty cents for this one mana two two. <laughs> snow covered snow covered islands went up a hundred nineteen percent. Hey, that's because Popper. That's a different format. That's not modern. That's popper. That's is it really? Demand. I think so. Um, Blue red Delver plays Scrud, uh, mm, and okay. uh, Scrud wants lots of snow covered islands. And popper sure. is getting real popular. Uh, Dark confidant is at ninety five dollars all of a sudden. Man, yeah. When that happened, I know I bought in at <laughs> literally the bottom of the market uh, in early two thousand seventeen, when it like bottomed out. And I, I can't believe how luckily I how lucky I was timing that. I bought them to play like black white taxes or something. <laughs> like uh, Verdant Catacombs is up six percent. Yeah. Let's yeah, see, all the, the Black Leaf Cliffs. Black Leaf just keeps going up. It's like fifty dollars now. Um and then you look at um we were talking about it earlier, Raging Ravine is uh going crazy. It's up to like twenty six dollars. I think this is back where it was, like kinda at the height, right? Like yeah. All, all these gen pi- uh, prices are rebounding. Uh, Maelstrom Pulse is up to twenty six dollars. Timer Glyph eighty four. Like Liliana is back to one hundred and twenty four. It just got reprinted again. Yeah, and you know, like Tireless Tracker. You know, it's like a fringe. I feel like that's like a fringe card that Jen plays. It it like Tireless Tracker is just good. People are realizing. He's play I, I and Legacy. He's playing several modern decks. It's just good. It's card it's like, advantage on a on a st- like a sturdy body. It's like almost twenty dollars now. Like that's insane. Yeah, I mean that card just rotated out not too long ago. It just it just rotated out. Like coming it, from yeah, coming from that s- coming from that exact uh, coming from the exact <laughs> same block is Liliana the Last Hope, and that's at thirty. That's gone up seven seven percent two dollars thirty six cents. And is now at like thirty four dollars. Engineered explosives keeps climbing. Uh, it's I I think this just shows how much people want to be playing modern right now. These yeah. are all just kind of like modern staples. Did you notice that drag skull reaver bump? People want to play the one eight hundred. Are you flapping? <laughs> Uh, I will never call that deck anything other than one eight hundred. Are you flapping? Another thing to, to to note is the the lack of price drop in Jace. Yeah, it it keeps going up. It's uh, it's a little concerning, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, keep keeping my eye on the price of Jace real close. The buy list prices for Jace are still fairly low. 
um, for the the new uh, the new Masters Twenty Five printing. Um, people are major chains are buying it for either forty five or fifty five dollars. As of this recording. As of this recording, which is <laughs> Monday. So um, it's been stable since the set release. Um, hasn't gone up. Hasn't gone down. Prices on eBay and TCG Player have also been pretty stable. They're selling for about like $88, 89 dollars. I feel like this is going to be the first card that's gotten reprinted like this that hasn't. I mean, did Tarmogoyf? I feel like Tarmogoyf even took it like a decent hit when it first got reprinted. We're not even half a week away from the set release, though. Yeah, and this is a set that is going to be sold at Walmart. Is sold at Walmart. You can just walk in and buy a booster pack. So. Um, I was talking to our MTG expert Zach about this, and he pointed out we are at basically second second peak of demand. The initial yeah. peak was when it got unbanned; everyone wanted a copy right away. Now it's been reprinted; everyone wants a copy right now. So um, it's we're at a peak in demand. Demand has not been satiated yet, um, and I think it will be in maybe another week or so, and then I think the prices will start to dip. But the big, uh, the big wrench in the works potentially is the fact that um, I'm not sure how well Masters 25 has been selling. Because um, people have been unhappy with the card quality in the set, um, and they've been unhappy about the fact that it looks like it might be mappable. So if, if sales of the set are sufficiently depressed by this, the price of Jace is going to accordingly go up or stay stable, which is worrisome for me because I would like some Jaces. For a reasonable price yeah like i'd like to buy buy a pair of jaces you know to to throw into a few decks but but if it just keeps climbing i just i don't think i could justify i mean i i i guess i've done worse i've bought button scalding tarns at the their peak but yeah. but jace isn't like i feel i feel like it's not necessary to play a deck right now maybe i'm wrong i mean if you are playing a finisher in blue it is Jace the Mind Sculptor. That yeah. is your best option. So you're playing a subpart card if you're not playing Jason. That's thought most likely. Yeah, so that is a concession you have to make. I mean, the top eight deck, Night the Nightfall. The label is Nightfall. Is playing two copies of Jace the Mind Sculptor in it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a very solid card. What do I jam in my creatures deck to make it better? This Planeswalker. I mean, it's. I mean, this is kind of a mid-range deck too. Actually, to be fair, it's a mid-range creature deck, and sure, Jace. It's, it's a mid-range mid-range creature combo deck. Yeah, yeah it's got the <laughs> devoted druid combo in there too, and the retreat of to to core home combo as well. Yeah, it's actually pretty sweet. Three cords, four collected companies. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, prices. <laughs> <laughs> they're high the prices are too damn high so high what's kind of quite, uh, strange to me is this, this jump in uh, Leyline of Sanctity yeah man because you're just talking about how no one's playing Thoughtseize so why do we need these Leyline of Sanctities Cause, it's because everyone decided to buy into Boggles at the same time <laughs> oh is that why Daybreak Hornet's on here too is it <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> it's up two dollars oh yeah yeah everyone's like shit gotta buy me some boggles <laughs> i mean if you look at this th there's like three broad categories of cards on this list there's jund decks that beat jund and other decks that beat jund yeah we've got like tron jund and then like bogglesy crap and then just like other stuff 
who will win? Very big boys or just one one big boy? One big slippery boy. One slippery boy. Ruined Halo. Still climbing. It's almost at forty two dollars now. God, I, I really dis I really dislike that. I would really like to play a deck with four rune halos in it, but I'm not gonna go buy four rune halos at this price. Oh. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's not even that good. It is good. It's good and like blue white control is a sideboard card. It's excellent there. It's good, but it's not that good. It's not I mean if forty it's the, something dollars. If it's good. the right card, it's the right card, right? I guess. Oh, I was watching some coverage. I saw a Nevermore cast on oh. on screen. Ooh, what I are they name? Nevermore. Uh, Through the Breach. That sounds like a good name. <laughs> I would that name like, that card too. <laughs> that sounds like a good call. Good job. Unfortunately player. for the Nevermore player, uh, it got bounced with Cryptic Command, and they were <laughs> unable to recast it due to Blood Moon. <laughs> oh, brutal! <laughs> brutal. Oh, that's sweet. Uh that's super sweet. I like that. Although Man. I did, I did get to watch them through the region Emerald and have it just get tapped down by Cryptic Command. <laughs> <laughs> wow! It's like a blue white, blue white control versus blue moon. Yeah, it was like the the blue red breach deck versus blue white control. Uh, tap your team, draw card. Uh, <laughs> Goblin guide, doing well, cruising back on up to the mid twenties. Goblin guide. Where do you see goblin guide? Oh, I see it now. I mean, this is the original printing Goblin Guide. Yeah. The reprint because the new one is hideous. That one's fine. No, it's hideous. Looks nice. The art is awful. Now I need to remind myself. I much prefer my classical bamboozled Goblin. You know, I really like the promo Goblin Guide, but it's, I don't like foils. The one where he's, like, looking at a map and, like taking you places that goblin's gonna take you places yeah so you know i i figured that the issue with having foils is that you don't have foils and non-foils so the only solution is to just make the entire deck foil uh, and yes. forget to sell your non-foils <laughs> why would you then you can leave it out you can lend it out to other players and laugh when they play poorly or even better yet you can get paired against them Speaking... look azusas are still going up <laughs> yeah <laughs> Speaking of your your heinous double decking over there, um, decking. Uh, there's this. Really At least I was willing to buy the correct cards for the deck. <laughs> oh, oh, oh daggers! <laughs> Sick burns, man. Sick burns. Um, <laughs> speaking yeah, you of, have, you just have no dedication, man. I found out today I needed a test of Liliana the Last Hope. What did I do? I bought a Liliana the Last Hope because I oh, wanted to play the right card. How much? What, how much? What did that cost you? Fifty-two. Yeah. Nope. Fifty-two nope. ticks. Mm -mm. Yeah, it's okay. For, I'll for online content. It's moto. <laughs> I can sell it when I'm done with it. It's you're, not going to go right. down. It's not. They're not going to print Lily on the Last Hope in the next two weeks. Yeah, but you don't. But yeah, yeah, sure. You're right. You're accurate. That's. I'm Why is Lily on the Last Hope so much online anyway? Is it that? that I like, don't know. I. I speaking I about that, prices. I think I don't think that set was drafted all that much, was it? You know, it's up on uh, paper too. It's up seven uh, percent. Yeah, since last week uh, in paper as well. I don't think that set was drafted as much as uh, some of its other some of the other cards around that set. Man, I know our, our friend of the podcast Jay at uh, what, what GP was that? GP San not Santa Clara. GPLA. 
He drafted a lot of that set. It's all he did the whole weekend at the GP, and he made a lot of prize ticks. Oh, God. He would always come over to us and show, like, check out this deck I drafted. It was always, like, some disgusting ass, like, how did you get these cards deck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anyways, as I was saying, speaking of our our amulet, uh, amuletitis. Amuletitis? Um, there's this really cool article um, on Star City Games premium. about... Uh, yeah, it's premium. About... Um, about amulet and uh, how to crush modern. Uh, Chris, have you have you gotten a chance to look at this at, at this article here? Yeah, so it's actually not a, it's not a very long article. Um, Who would win in a fight, this guy or darkest mage? <laughs> this guy, hands down. This guy. <laughs> what about Sam Black? <laughs> Sam Black. <laughs> you think Sam Black? <laughs> Easily. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I I think it's awesome that this deck is getting more attention. Um, I feel like I've been on this like weird hype train because I I talk to you like daily and and you're always telling me how Amulet's the best thing on planet Earth. Um, <laughs> the best. The and best. so I feel like I feel like I feel like I'm on this weird uh, hype train, but it's it's nice to see that it's not just me. It's like other people actually being interested in what this deck does oh um, so how did you feel when you asked if like is it possible to beat jund and everyone was like yeah jund is an easy matchup <laughs> i mean Listen, uh, and, the, and then this of, guy wrote an article and was like jund not so bad yeah <laughs> um the rubbins was that this morning <laughs> that you asked and the article uh, we looked through the article later in the day. No, the it, was like, was it was like, like over the weekend. <laughs> so I think it's kind of funny that um, so, so John found the article first, and he said that uh, the article had a lot of stuff that I've been saying about the deck, how um, Jace is not very good in the deck, and um, I think maybe it's a good time to be playing big mana, and you can do pretty fine against these you know mid range and even okay against these control decks and then the very obvious we get crapped on by blood moon but you know <laughs> roll the dice everyone knew that <laughs> those beats just uh it's got a pact for your rex age continue on your merry way i just get really happy every time someone uh, acknowledges how insane in the brain uh, rook thar can be oh yeah oh that card is just so sweet the birthday like boy himself it's like a huge undervalued card. Especially I mean, when it I, doesn't go in that many decks, is why. <laughs> but when but it comes in, like, it comes in. I feel like in. it could though, right? Like like a six mana dude that like pegs you every time you cast a spell? Or is it a non creature spell? Why can't this go into like spell. a Valakut deck? Because <clears throat> Valakut decks want to cast the card Scapeshift. I guess. I mean I guess they also want to cast the card Primeval Titan, but Right? But like I mean, like this just they probably play it here and there i wouldn't be surprised because like, they can't try, play try this play card this. on turn three <laughs> accurate yeah it's fair Not like <clears throat> rookdar oh you put it against storm why because we can play it early enough for it to be relevant <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right fair like i played it in the uh, the mono green deck the green was mo the deck was mono green except for this one rookthar and this one rookthar was just insane I guess technically Burning Tree Emissary is not mono green, but uh, 
Yeah, did you, there's did a number of times like... Did you have to have Burning Tree Emissary to cast that Rukthar? No, you play yeah, uh, okay. you, you play the, Stomping uh, Ground and... Alright, alright, alright. You get the, the mana... <laughs> Utopia Sprawl. Yeah, Utopia Sprawl. And you have two Birds Paradise in your deck. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. Easy. Yeah, so sometimes you're just like, here's a turn two Rukthar, go! And you're like, huh? Turn two Rukthar. God. Weird. I don't think any deck mm. I ever play can beat that. I mean, turn two and a Rukthar, you need to have kind of a Rube Goldberg machine of uh, of cards to, <laughs> to get him out there. God. Like, if you're not playing Path to Exile in your deck and have it in hand, you're probably not winning. <laughs> oh, God. Now I want to play Mono Green again. That's sweet. You just go from zero to hero real quick. I did not like playtesting against that deck when I was on Shadow. <laughs> the matchup seemed really bad. Like, the worst, actually. <laughs> Something about, like, main deck Hornet Queens? I don't know. Like, just beating Garouk was, like, impossible. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was also back when uh, nobody was playing TBR anymore. Yeah. Right, so, like, Hornet Queen was just... Uh, un like, you just can't ever win. Who would win? Um, a big Dev Shadow or some buzzy boys? <laughs> <laughs> some buzzy boys. Uh, it's the the first line in it in the closing paragraph of this article. Uh, I believe Amulet really awards someone who understands its intricacies and what role it must take in various matchups. Who dat? Chris. <laughs> Literally says Amulet really awards Chris. Period. <laughs> <laughs> List of people the deck does not reward. Darkest Steven. Mage. Steven. Steven. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> oh God, Steven! You didn't get you didn't tell uh, the story about um, your match against Soul Sisters. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good time for that one. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not not being rewarded. Uh, so quick aside, uh, in like a bad beats, funny kind of thing. Uh, I go like turn one. I have the nuts. I have the, just the nuts hand. I just like start comboing off. But I'm playing against Soul Sisters, and they played like two or three creatures, and I obviously had to play creatures. So he's at like 25, and I'm just like going nuts. Like I cast a pact. I like ignore. I bounce all my green mana to my hand. I'm just like great. I'm gonna give my dude plus four, plus four, and or like just plus. Yeah, plus four, plus four, and I'm gonna give him double strike, and then I go in for attacking, and he doesn't declare any blocks, and he doesn't concede, and he, we just go to damage, and I'm like, huh, shit, he's not dead. And I look at his life total, he's at five, and then I look at my mana base, and it's I go... Like, it's more like Boros Garrison, Vesuvid Boros Garrison. Yeah. <laughs> And I go, oh, damage resolves, and then I right-click and just concede. Counting, <laughs> counting is hard. Well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the fact that like I could have, I could have won if I was paying more attention. If you just played better. Yeah, if I was just like, oh, he's at twenty-five. I shouldn't put all my green mana back into my hand. Like I would have been fine. But you that have, didn't happen. Instead of just trying to kill him when you couldn't, you would have just gotten more stuff to play more Titans, and then he would yeah, have I I would very have definitely died. Yeah, and so so I conceded because I didn't have the green mana to pay for the pact that I had cast to get the prime time to do the things. Uh, Did your opponent say anything in chat? I had conceded an exit because I was game three. 
<laughs> he probably said something around you, idiot. Opponent told all or his just friends. Just like, lol. For sure. <laughs> lol. <laughs> uh, you're becoming more famous, Stephen. People somewhere else in the world have heard about this fucking amulet player <laughs> who killed himself <laughs> for no good reason. Uh, anyways, uh, that's, that's kind of a good segue into, um, into my slot of the week. Green mana! The card (laughs) that I am totally hyped to play for. Basic uh, forest. The card that I'm totally hyped to play in my 75 for, uh, this upcoming week. And it is Amulet. Amulet of Vigor. Super into the deck right now and I want to get better at it because I really suck. Yeah, I will it. say the deck looks pretty miserable to play online. Well, yeah, it's oh, like yeah. yeah, so like it, it's Triggers. one thing it's one thing to like do it in person. So so in person I can say, you know, uh I'm going to like verbally say like I'm going to do my triggers like this to, so I can make my mana like this and that takes like 2 seconds. Whereas online, so you, if you have like two amulets on the board, right? And you're trying to get like the the pump twice value effect you have to put the bounce trigger on the stack last because if you do it if you put on the stack first then all the amulet triggers think it's the same moto thinks it's the same kind of trigger so they just all go on the stack like you don't get an option like pick or choose so you have to say like okay i want the the uh sunholm no uh What's the other one? Don't even have your deck memorized yet? Don't have it shame. memorized yet. God, shame. 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 What's the other land? Uh, the other combo land? Gives Green, us Slayer's Stronghold, Sunhome. Slayer's Stronghold. So you have to tell it to untap that and then untap the Boros Garrison so you can tap them and uh, activate the ability and then have them untap again. Otherwise, if you just let it go automatically, it just does uh, untap Slayer Stronghold trigger, untap Slayer Stronghold trigger, Boros trigger, Boros trigger. So it's just like, it, it's just really hard to like click through it and really try to, because now you're playing against two opponents. You're playing against this clock and the person on the other side of the computer. So it's just, it's weird. It's really hard. Anyways, what's anyways? What's your slot of the week, Chris? Um, my slot of the week is gonna be uh, good old big boy Rurikthar. Oh man, what a shocker! Uh, so hopefully, four mainboard instead of prime time. Oh, <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> um, get in there. Hopefully, I can make it out to a legacy event this Sunday. Get some more practice in for the GP. And uh, I also play Rurikthar on the sideboard of Elves. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Um, you can natural order for it. Oh, can't confirm. You can Green Sun Zenith for it. Yeah, I have, just... I have lost a Rurikthar out of Elves in Legacy. I was oh. I was very sad. That's so good. Yeah, I I don't know if I've ever lost a game where I've had a Rurikthar in play. It is bigger <laughs> than a Gurmogging player. Actually, I don't think I've ever <laughs> lost a game where I have cast a Rurikthar in Legacy. That seems valid. There's one where it got countered, but I won. I won the turn. That turn anyway. <laughs> it was my bait spell. <laughs> one Rookthar is your bait. Oh my god! Yeah, so I, 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 how the hell did I cast it? So I, I tapped like two elves with Burstler Rangers to make the red for it. 
<laughs> and I cast this uh, this Rookthar, and opponent's like, mm, Force of Will. Because he's playing like, bugged, like a bugged over deck. And I'm like, oh, okay, how many cards do you have in your hand? One. Tap this guy's cradle, cast a Crater Hoof Behemoth? He's like, hmm. Huh. 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 Guess I'm just dead. <laughs> R.A.P. <laughs> so yeah, Rothar, sweet. My soul of the week is um, a card that I don't like very much. I think it's a bad card. I just I hate this card. This card's fucking awful. My song of the week is roast. Um, wait, wait, John, John, John. Song of the week's supposed to be a card that you're excited to put into your seventy-five, not God, a card you hate. Get it right. This is my obligation. Song of the week. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm gonna be excited to not die to like Gurmog Angler. That sounds nice. Uh, been playing this rug deck, and you know what? Uh, just not. Not cutting the mustard anymore to be playing. Uh, what's the uh, the four four damage for a red that we used Flame to play? Flame slash. Flame slash. Flame slash just doesn't cut the mustard anymore. You got to have five, uh, so you get to play good old roast. Uh, I'm playing one main, one side, playing a, a dismember in the main deck, even though I have no black mana instead of the second roast because God, that card is awful. <laughs> Is it really that bad? I hate Is roast. Is it that bad? It's How many times have you wanted to roast a creature and you couldn't because it had flying? Frequently. Hmm. Like I, I can't... I don't, I don't know how many times, but there's been definitely many more times than I wish there were that I wanted to roast like a Vendillion click and couldn't. Yeah. Also, sorcery speed is just crap. <laughs> it's awful. Sure. Two mana sorcery speed <laughs> removal that doesn't hit flyers feels real bad i should probably just play harvest pyre i don't know what was the card that it replaced it like replaced something right it was like a one mana flame slash combust oh combust oh baby well combust only hit blue or white creatures oh that's it that's it but it couldn't be countered yeah but then that got replaced by rending volley rending volley that's what i'm thinking of which was also a very good card but these were just anti- and then twin god banned and no one ever played rending volley ever again <laughs> ever again yeah that card gone gone forever banished to my trade binder which isn't actually a trade binder because it never leaves the house <laughs> <laughs> it's like the binder of broken dreams and lost aspirations <laughs> got my sounds like an emo song yeah got my uh my magus of the bizarres in there in case I ever want to play uh, <laughs> good old Esper Rally again, take that one for a spin God, I'm so I'm so sad we couldn't get Steven to play Zubera's yeah. I would have played it should have just gave it to me I still have people come up to me and ask when we're going to play that deck again uh, so like John's, John's cards were in the mail on a semi semi-frequent basis People ask about Zubera's. This card is still still in the mail, actually. We should, we should do it online. Just without Cavern of Souls. That, that land is important, Steven. Is it? Is it, though? Is it, though? I don't know. How often do you think we're going to lose at that deck? Pretty often, right? Do you want to increase the amount of times that we lose? I'd like to nah. win occasionally. 
personally. Nah. <laughs> I don't know. If Seferin Olive can win as frequently as he did, I think we should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Before he learned to, like, hold priority when sacrificing. Ah, that game he learned. Ah. God, he was still winning games. It's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Thank you for checking us out and sticking around to the very end. If you're wondering where you can check out more content, head over to mtgcomplex.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube under the same name, MTG Complex, one word. And if you have any suggestions or comments that you'd like us to read, please feel free to shoot us a message on one of those platforms. Again, we really do appreciate you sticking around and uh, listening to us ramble for, for about an hour. And uh, we hope you'll join us in the next one. Later.